0: We're going to begin reading in verse 11 of Job chapter 2. We'll read down to the end of the chapter and then we'll look at a few verses in chapter 42. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildab the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. For they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent everyone his mantle. And sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. And while you're turning to chapter 42, believe me, their silence didn't last very long. They had plenty to say, and they said it. But in the end, the Lord dealt with them and helped them. Chapter 42, verse 7, after Job had repented of his wrong attitudes, and it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, The Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, And my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept. Lest I deal with you after your folly. In that you have not spoken of me the thing which is right. Like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite. And Bildab the Shuhite. And Zophar the Namathite went. And did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. For the sake of our visitors tonight. I have it in my heart to preach in these services on some of the character clusters of the Bible. Now, there are chapter clusters, chapters that sort of cling together. One you're very familiar with, Psalm 22, 23, and 24. Mm-hmm. Another one that we love, Romans mm-hmm. 6, 7, and 8. But they're also character clusters. And on the Lord's Day yesterday, we looked at a couple of those. I emphasized the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I referred to Him as the God of our faith. And then last night, we went to the book of Daniel. And I said some things about the God of of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's the God of our fires, or our fiery trials. Tonight, although we're not as familiar with these characters as we are with the others, I've not been able to get away from these three individuals. And I want to preach tonight, On the God of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And I will use this idea. He's the God of our furtherance. Our advancement. Our development. The God of our furtherance. Before I start, I might tell you that recently, while studying the book of Job... I decided one of these men uh, is my Old Testament namesake. You know, my name is Thomas. That's my New Testament namesake. But I found my Old Testament namesake, Bildad the Shuhite. I have, my wife and I have three daughters. And uh, I... No, my name must be Bildad the Shuhite, because the girls have said through the years as they came to me, Bildad, here's the Bildad. And so I've decided this has to be me here, Bildad the Shuhite. Of course, as we enter into the story, I, I must magnify that the book of Job reminds us that God is interested in our development. He doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants us to progress and mature. And He often sends trials our way to develop us, to advance us, to mature us. Now, you know that Job is the main character of the book. However, as I have preached from the book of Job over the years, from time to time, I have been convinced that Job is not only on trial, but his three friends are on trial as well. You see, there is an element of pride in all of us, and often... We see other people's follies and faults, but we can't see our own. Remember Jesus warned of that. He said uh, uh, to be careful uh, while you were getting uh, getting the splinter out of your brother's eye, lest you would forget to get the telephone pole out of your eye. That's the Hayes translation, by the way. But I think we all have that limitation. We're not careful. We'll want to correct everybody else, but we'll miss our own needs. And so I'm addressing a subject tonight that none of us really like. The self-life. Oh, God has to deal with the self-life. To make us more like Christ. Now I like to think of the book of Job in this light. This would be a little capsule uh, picture of the book of Job. Job's friends come and visit him. And after talking to him. Or listening to him at first. He makes some very uh, strong statements. Negative statements about God. He wished he had never been born. He wished that if he had been born, that he had been born dead. And the suggestions are that God made a mistake in allowing him to come on the earth. Well, his friends, instead of saying, Ah, Job, don't talk like that. that. You shouldn't do that. But we all have our days, Job. Instead of that, they attacked him. They began to throw darts into his spirit. And uh, instead of Job saying, you're right, I'm wrong, he fought back. Here's my picture. They come to him and they say, Job, you're sick. You need to go to the doctor. And Job looks at them and he says, no, I'm not the one sick. You three are sick. And they say, no, uh, we're, we're not sick. You, you You've got a real problem. He said, no, I don't. They said, yes, you do. And so eventually Job gets to the doctor. And the doctor says to Job, you're sick. (laughs) And Job admits, yes, you're right, Lord, I'm sick. But what Job's friends didn't realize is while they were telling Job, you're sick, They were sick also. And in the end, the doctor has to deal with them as well. So it is with all of us. We all have great needs. And the Lord uses trials and failures in our lives to help us get to Him and get help. Now, with that in mind, I want us to look at Job's three friends. Can I say Job's friends instead of Eliphaz, Bildab, Zophar, and all their other titles? I want us to just take a moment with those early verses in chapter 2. Here we see Job's friends and their beginning concern. The beginning concern of Job's friends They heard of all that had taken place in his life and they made an appointment to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. They never did get around to comforting him. uh, But that was their original intention was to mourn with him and to comfort him. You remember at one point Job said, Miserable comforters are ye all. Uh, In other words, if... If, uh, if you're my friends, who needs enemies uh, as they really analyze this situation? Let me mention two or three things about their concern here in the beginning. First of all, we see the link in their concern. They didn't just up and decide, the three of them, that they would meet here and talk to this fellow whom they had never known or met. But the link was all three of them were Job's friends. Mm -hmm. I think one of the elements God uses in developing us is our friends and how they feel about us and what they say about us. In fact, there's some people I really don't care what they think. But my friends, if they say something negatively, I'm ready to get on the phone right then. And say, hey, what's going on? Why did you say that? Uh, And so God is going to use these friends in Job's life. And He's going to use Job's friendship in their lives. That's the link in their concern. They had a former acquaintance. A friendship that had been developed between the three. I'm not going to just give one conclusion, but maybe 50 conclusions wrapped up in one. We could say their friendship may have been based on all of their wisdom and their human philosophy. The three friends and Job, Mm -hmm. all four... Were wise people. And so that may have been what brought them together as friends. Secondly, I want to mention not only the link in their concern, their friendship. But I would mention the legitimacy in their concern. Now I'm going to say some negative things about these three boys tonight. But don't forget this. When they first came... They were concerned for Job. They were legitimately, genuinely, definitely interested in mourning uh, for or with him and comforting him. Uh, I believe that there are those who at one time may have been legitimately concerned for you or me. But somewhere in the process, they saw some things In us that they couldn't believe. And so that caused a little problem in our further friendship because we let them down. They never would believe that they let us down. So we'll say we let them down. That way they'll feel better about what they said and how they acted, won't they? And then I must mention verse 13. As they rent their mantles and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven, they sat down on the ground seven days and seven nights, a complete week, and none spake a word unto him. For they saw that his grief was very great. I'm going to mention here at the first, we see not only the link, they were friends, and the legitimacy, they really came to try to help him. But in the beginning, we see also the long suffering in their concern. Seven days and seven nights, they stayed away from their families. They stayed away from their jobs, their means of employment, and they came and just sat on the ground and and didn't say a word to Job. Now. This is this is my thinking. That's maybe totally wrong, but I think if you came to see me and didn't say a word for seven days, it'd probably make me worse. <laughs> I would probably say, Man, I cannot believe that they've not said it. I must really be worse than I thought. Uh, and so this is the initial, the beginning concern. That's evidenced in chapter 2. Then in chapter 3, Job began to make his awful remarks. He cursed the day he was born. And he said some other things throughout the chapter that were not God honoring and did not indicate that Job was as righteous as they thought he was. And so when we get to chapter 4, we have the beginning chapter which goes actually to chapter 32 where they are talking to Job. Actually, fussing with Job for 28 to 30 chapters. Uh, we have this, this uh, free for all between Job and his friends. We've looked at the beginning concerns. I'd like to use these middle chapters. Don't get excited. I'm not going to preach all of chapters 4 through 32 and all the people said, Amen. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure some of you, we didn't want a coronary problem here in the service tonight. But notice, secondly, the basic conversations. I'm going to take just a moment with this. I want us to meet these fellows. And I think what, what we often say, or how we analyze people, and how we explain our circumstances, or theirs, which we're much more qualified to talk about than ours, uh, tells a whole lot about us. Yeah. Yeah, it Somebody said, you better watch him. He's always quiet. That's the one I don't watch. It's the one that's always talking that I watch. Uh, the one that's always telling everybody how it ought to be and what they do. Yeah. They're the ones that I watch. Yeah. And so let's watch these three fellas as they run their trap for 30 chapters. And tell Job what's wrong with him and what he ought to do. I'm sure they're Baptists. They couldn't be Church of God. No. They'd lose their salvation. <laughs> and and they couldn't be Presbyterian uh, because it's just a little too brassy. Some of the things they say, they have to be Baptists. Uh, of course, that's the crowd I'm very familiar with. So uh, allow me a little room there. I, I like to refer to as and his conversation with Job as the testimonial experience. Everything he says is based on his experience. All right. Now, if you want to hear somebody speak authoritatively, let them tell you what they know by experience. Uh doesn't really matter what the Bible says or what you think. I've had this experience. And and I am qualified to talk to you on that basis. And Brother Eliphaz certainly uh, talked to Job on the basis of his experience. Now, come with me to chapter 4 and we're introduced to Eliphaz. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said... And in the first few verses here, he acts like he's appreciating Job. He said, Thou hast instructed many, verse 3. Thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was falling. And thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But, oh, look out here. But now it cometh upon thee, and thou faintest. It toucheth thee and thou art troubled. And so he begins to get down to his feelings about Job. Look at verse 8. Here we have his experience. Even as I have seen. They that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. That is Job the reason you are having it's so a hard. The reason God's having to deal with you so rough is you have dealt roughly with God. You have been unrighteous. And now God is going to have to deal with you for your unrighteousness. I love verse number 12 and following. After he's mowed Job down and told him the reason this has happened to him is he's unrighteous. And he said, Your children... They're dead because of you too. It's all so encouraging, isn't it? Verse 12, he said, Now a thing, look out, was secretly brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof. Of course, Job, I didn't get it all. It was so profound and so deep. But I got a little bit of it. In thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on him, He said in verse 15. Then a spirit passed before my face. Watch out. The hair of my flesh stood up. And so he tells Job this hair raising experience. And he judges him on that account. Now this is not the last time. That Eliphaz speaks. Here we have it in chapters 4 and 5. Then Job shoots back in chapters 6 and 7. And then in chapter 8, Brother Bildad speaks. But you can believe this every time Eliphaz uh, gets an opportunity uh, for the microphone we would say today. He talks about his experience. And how he views Job's calamity on the basis of his experience. I want to tell you, beloved, I don't care what our experiences have been. We should not judge someone sight unseen. We've not walked in their shoes. We've not faced the, uh, the confrontations that they have faced We have not carried the burdens that they have carried. And wise is the person who doesn't try to show all they know on the basis of their experience. In chapter 8, Brother Bildad speaks up. I used his name a moment ago to sort of identify myself. But it's been said that he's the shortest man in the Bible. Because he's called Bill Dad the shoe height. Well, I don't think that's how you spell shoe height uh, when you're talking about somebody being short. But you better believe he didn't know he was short. He thought he was taller than the rest of them. And uh, every time you see him, it's not his experience that he's talking about, it's tradition. The traditional evaluations, the way we've always seen it, Job, and the way we've always done it, and the way God has always done it. He said, you can just listen to me and I'll give you the report. The good report on that, I understand that, Job. Of course, in chapter 8, verse 2, he called Job... A strong wind. He said, how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? It sounds to me like he's calling Job a windbag. I was braggadocious when I was a boy. I had to always tell some great thing that I was going to do. And my Uncle Bill, he took it upon himself... To try to whittle me down to size. And he gave me a nickname. J.P. Blowhard. (laughs) And about the time I was telling my cousins on Sunday afternoon. Something great that I was going to do. He would push back the screen of grandma's house. And he would say. Tell it, JP. (laughs) Or is that the way it's going to be, JP? Well, Bildad puts down Job in that way. He said, you're running your mouth too much. You don't know what you're talking about. Can you imagine anybody telling Job? You don't know what you're talking about. He said uh, in this 8th chapter, He said, if you're right, verse number 4, wouldn't God have cast them away for their transgression? Not not somebody else's. Verse 8, I pray thee, inquire of the former age. Let's look at tradition, Job. And basically saying tradition tells us that you're reaping what you've sown. You, you can't explain your behavior, what you said a while ago. You can't explain your children's little graves up there on the hillside. You can't explain why you have lost all your possessions. You can't explain your condition except you've done wrong and God's even in the score, Job. And so he pushes Job down with tradition. And let's remember no matter how God has done it in the past, He's not locked up to doing it that way again. Somebody said, Well, if it's God, if that was God, I know it'd been like it was the other time, then you're not walking in the Spirit. Because God is not locked up to doing it one certain way. He may use somebody that I don't agree with. What about that? Uh-huh. My pastor told me when I was a young preacher, I thought he was backslidden. He said, Now Tom, you're gonna find out that God blesses people who disagree with us. <laughs> I thought, man, he has he has missed the mark. He's compromising as sure as the worm. But I've lived long enough to watch God send rain on the just and the yeah, unjust. I, yeah. And bless people that are not necessarily in my little half a bushel basket. They don't have to do it my exact way. They don't have to sing out of the same hymnal. They don't have to have the same kind of lighting that we have at our church. They don't have to have the same look in the front yard or the platform. God is able to go beyond our little tradition. And I know that there are some dangers in our day of taking things to extremes to try to meet the society's wants and desires. But I want to tell you there are some areas that you and I must learn that God is bigger than our opinions. Are. And He might use somebody whose hair is not quite combed like mine. And he might use somebody that doesn't have a tie on uh-huh. or doesn't uh, look the way we think they ought to look. You Tradition is a big subject. and oh, yeah. I don't want to get locked into it tonight, but I want to tell you I've seen a lot of people who were in a little box about a half inch by a half inch by a half inch by a half inch. And they could not get out of that little box. I don't want to live like that. I I hope I have a few more years on down the road. And if God wants to do something in my children's lives, I hope I'll be big enough to accept their experience on their level and not try to make them come up to mine. God takes a lifetime in developing us and then we think somebody's got to jump up to our level immediately. No, oh, let's give him time to work in their lives. And so there's Eliphaz's conversation. He's talking about his testimony and his experience. There's Bildad's conversation. He's locked up to tradition. And he explains everything on that basis. Then we have Brother Zophar, of course, Job wasn't silent to Bildad. He came right back after him, just like he had Eliphaz. And on through chapter 10, he talks and talks and talks. By the way, if you've got all the answers, you can talk a lot. And these boys had all answers, including Job. And they talk a whole lot. In chapter 11, however, it's Zophar's turn. And uh, uh, I, I want to call him Zophar instead of Zophar. Because he tries to give the total estimation of things. He, it's like he calculates it. And he says here, here's how it is. I'm going to tell you how it is. Now, I have had people tell me how it is after it was. Yeah. Yeah. But the, here's a man who's trying to tell how it is, as it is. And uh, he's heard enough, he says. Verse 2 of chapter 11, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified. Should thy lies make men hold their peace. And when thou mockest shall not man make thee ashamed. Hold on so far. <laughs> uh, Job was hurting a little while ago. And y'all were coming to mourn with him. Yeah. Take it easy on the old boy. But hes he says Job is proud. He said, you haven't confessed your wrong. And uh, he said, you're full of vanity. In fact, look down at verse number 13. He said, Job, if you just repent, there's no telling what God might do in your life. If thou would prepare thine heart and stretch out thy hands toward Him. Verse 15 For then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot. He said, you wouldn't have all these sores on your face if you'd just repent. Well, now hold it. Who gave him that insight? There's a lot of people who've tried to serve God and hurt and had pain and sorrow their entire lives. Away with this idea that God saves us from suffering. He may put us right in the middle of it to deal with our attitude, to bring about a humble spirit in us right. instead of an old proud attitude. And so here are the three, the three friends. That's their basic conversations. We'll not look at all the other chapters. By the way, Job didn't take it without getting angry. He said in chapter twelve and verse one, for instance, after all three of them had given their first round, he said, "No doubt, but ye are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. There'll be no more wisdom after you three. Well, yeah. you hadn't never met anybody like that, have you? You hadn't never been that way, have you? Knowing it all, knowing it all. And so we have the beginning concerns in chapter two, and then on all through these many chapters, we have the basic conversations, experience, tradition, and our conclusions. Boy, we're so full of our philosophies, human wisdom, and human, the human perspective. Ah, but let's get to chapter 42. You might like to look with me briefly at the beginning of chapter 32. The Bible says in verse 1, So these three men ceased to answer Job, because he was righteous in his own eyes. And they've got the same issue. They they have the same problem. Uh, they're right, and you better listen to me. Of course, it's at this point God raises up Elijah. He's a young preacher boy, I, that's how I look at him. And uh, he waited till they all finished. He was very uh, appreciative of his elders. And, and he said in verse 6 I said, I am young and you're very old, wherefore I was afraid. And durst not show you mine opinion. I said days should speak. And multitude of years should teach wisdom. This fellow's got some appreciation that many in our day need to have for their elders. He said I wasn't about to butt in. I wasn't about to interrupt. But he said God's got a work. He's doing a work in me too. And verse 9, he concluded, boy, what a statement. Great men are not always wise. Right. Yeah. It's possible, hold on, hold on now. It's possible for you to make a mistake. Right. It's possible You're right. for me to say something that is not correct. Ah, I, I want to tell you these boys thought they'd finished with Job but God wasn't finished with them. Listen, God keeps on working. He has conformity in mind. He conforms us to the image of his son. He conforms us to a life of obedience and humility. And so I mentioned lastly, the blessed conformity of Job's three friends. Now, in chapter 42, we have Job repenting with all that's in him. It didn't just happen overnight. Elijah, the young preacher, quit pointing Job to Job. He started pointing Job to God. An older preacher in our area told me, he said, Tom, early on I learned a great lesson. That preaching is pointing people to God. And then trying to move with them into His presence. Well, Elihu did just that. He told Job about the greatness of God, the grace of God, the government of God. And when he finished bragging on God, God came blowing through. It said that He came in the whirlwind. And, uh, and then He began to talk to Job. And Job came out repenting. Oh, brother, God can do with us what our friends cannot do with us. God can do with our friends what we cannot do with our friends. And so Job repents. He said in verse 5 of chapter 42, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And when Job repented, God said, Eliphaz, Eliphaz, I'm upset with you and your two buddies because you've not come to the same conclusion about me as Job has. That I'm right and you're wrong. You're in the same shape Job's been in. You think you're right. And he said, "I, I want you to... Bring some offerings. (laughs) That's the beginning aspect of conformity. The offerings of conformity. You know, all the offerings in the Old Testament pointed to Christ. And so I would use this to say, the first thing we need to do is start looking to Christ. Even here tonight, we don't need to look at one another's ideas or one another's convictions, or weigh one person's thoughts over another person's thoughts, we need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before it endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So there's the offerings of conformity. And then there's the order of conformity. God repeated it in verse 8. You've not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. Boys, you need to get things in order. Instead of you showing all you know, you need to see what I know. You need to get away from your wisdom and, and understand my wisdom. You need to quit worrying about your philosophy and bow to my philosophy. And so God says you need to set things in order. But now hold it. How do we know that God brought these boys to repentance? Because none of them said, I'm not offering any offerings. I've not done anything wrong. I'm not going to the altar. I'm not going to pray. I haven't done anything wrong. That wasn't their attitude. God had crushed all that in them. Neither did they say, God wants Job to pray for us? That's the last person that will ever pray over me. The Bible tells us that they did, verse 9, according as the Lord commanded them. Oh, brother, they've admitted now, you're right, Lord, we're wrong. Just like Job had admitted, Lord, you're right, and I'm wrong. And so I like to imagine that they came to Job. He just sort of came back to where he was, sort of looking down at the ground, scuffing along. And Eliphaz, who apparently is the older, he's the one God speaks to here. Eliphaz said, Job, would you lead us in a word of prayer? And we know Job had gotten right because Job didn't say, What? (laughs) You three know it all's want me to pray. Not on your life. You do your own praying, boys. No. Job began to pray. He prayed for his friends. I believe he prayed for God's blessings upon them. He must have prayed for God's blessings upon their children. Lord, I've had to bury mine. But I pray that You'd bless these fellas' children. Lord, I've lost everything. But Lord, I pray that you'll keep adding to these brethren. Bless them abundantly. I want to tell somebody, I'm not praying for that bunch that said what they said about me. I'm not praying for him. I'm not praying for her. And you'll just continue on underdeveloped spiritually. God is out to develop us. He's out to further us. And Job prayed. We have no record of his prayer. We're just told the Lord turned the captivity of right. Job he did. when he prayed for his friends, mm-hmm. and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Yeah. Now I'm not a I'm not a hunter. It probably wouldn't take you long to conclude that you understand. Mm-hmm. My brother got all those genes in our family. He's a mighty hunter, boy. And you know the bow season comes in. He gets that bunch of hay out in the backyard and puts his target on it. He trues in that bow. He doesn't want to get out there in the woods and go to shooting at that deer. And that arrow go above the deer. Or to the right of the deer. And so he trues it in. You deer hunters know what I'm talking about. It seems to me that God said, Boys, you've shot below the target. Yeah. You missed me. Yeah. You saw Job, and you saw tradition, and you saw experience, and, and you saw conclusions. But you missed me, boys. And you need to go and ask Job to pray for you. Because he missed me too. But now that I've revealed myself to him, he's seeing me from the proper perspective. And and he's got his eyes on the target. He, he's on the mark now. And I want you all to go have him pray for you. And you'll get on the mark. Huh. The God of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar is the God of our furtherance. Mm. Somebody said, oh, Job, pray for me. I want to grow. I want to mature. Oh, I want to progress in grace. I want to go forward. Mm. Then you may have to go and ask Job to pray for you. The very one that you've spouted off against, the very one you've been sarcastic about, you may if you make any more progress, right. Right. you may have to go and say, Brother Job, would you lead us in a word of prayer? Amen. It's humbling. Amen. But oh it takes us forward. Yeah. Yeah. It humbles us down before God puts us in our proper place so His blessings can be upon us. Are you interested in that? Oh, I am. I don't want to be locked up to my little opinion. I want to bow afresh to God and trust Him to take me further. I don't want to be where I am this same time next year, do you? I want to make some progress then I'm going to have to be honest, Lord, I'm wrong. I've been wrong. It's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. I'm the one standing in the need of prayer. You've been very kind as I've tried to pour out my heart. Would you stand with me, please? Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed.